Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much and happy reading. Hello and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. I'm Mary. And I'm Diane. And we are two friends separated by distance but connected by our love of books. For today's episode, we would like to welcome Kelly Harms, the author of the books The Overdue Life of Amy Byler and most recently The Bright Side of Going Dark. Besides writing novels, Kelly is a mother to both a human and a dog, plus she lives in Madison, Wisconsin, my hometown. (laughs) Welcome, Kelly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. So, uh, Kelly, for some of our listeners who may not have heard of you before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, aside from the most important detail of living in Madison, Wisconsin, that we've already covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am I am a former book editor, mm-hmm. assistant, and agent from the book business. And when my family, we were ready to grow my family and have a baby, um, we decided to relocate to the Midwest. And oh. we picked Madison almost entirely just because it sounded great. Mm-hmm. And it is great. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, that's all history. So while I was expecting my son, I did the work on writing this book because at the time I was working remotely, I was seeing the book business change and I suddenly felt like I had this moment in time where my workload was down and I was gonna have a chance to write. And it turned into the first book, The Good Luck Girls of Shipwreck Lane. And after the usual amount of editorial and drama and everything, it went to auction. And I got the phone call while I was at the hospital delivering my son. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting, Kelly. (laughs) And I remember saying, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little busy. For the record, sorry, literary agent, I totally did care, but it was just hard to uh, triage the events of the moment. (laughs) And um, by a couple weeks later, the deal was done, and that led to two books with Thomas Dunn Books, which is, he's a fantastic publisher um, who has an imprint in New York, or had an imprint, I should say, because he's since retired, um, in New York with Macmillan, St. Martin's Press. Then, then came The Overdue Life of Amy Byler, and that book is the one that kind of went a little bit bigger and kind of, kind of took off and was a very exciting experience. And while that was happening, 
one of the things I was noticing was just how much my relationship with my phone was changing as a result of being in contact, not just with my readers, but with other authors, with Bookstagram. I'm sure you guys spend a lot of time on there. And just also my Facebook fan pages and the um, huge groups of reader networks on Facebook. Twitter is going around the whole time. And then the emails are coming in. And I was under it. It's like the happiest attack ever. The friendly attack of love. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I felt like I needed to go dark. And I was just going through those feelings. And that's kind of what led to the bright side of going dark, my fourth novel which just came out. It's May 12th. You can get it. Everyone, Lake Union Publishing, it's out. Yes. And it has a darling cover. I think that was one thing. Kelly, your, um, The Overdue Life of Amy Byler, the, the cover, cover was so fabulous and so photo-worthy. I saw it everywhere because who doesn't love books about books, right? The cover books was about books. books on it. It was great. And The Bright Side of Going Dark, the cover is great too. Was it the same cover same artist? Same designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And you can see, I mean, you can see the echoes, same but different kind of publishing themes that go along where when one thing works, they don't always know exactly what it is, but they just want to replicate it. And, um, and Brightside is not exactly the same as Amy Byler in terms of the storytelling, because Amy's got a little bit more fantasy to it. It's a little bit more, um, I guess... What I loved about that story was just giving myself permission to nerd out all the way into books and especially into young adult books because Mm -hmm. Amy, the main character, is a young adult librarian and media resource librarian. So when I really started rolling with that, that turned into 100, 200 young adult books that I was reading, quote unquote, for work, but I was just having the time of my life. And then when I went to do Bright Side, it was the same thing, but with dogs and mm-hmm. with influencing and with social media. So I love throwing myself in. And when you do that, the nature of the books changes a little bit as the material that you're throwing yourself into changes you. Right. So I love that the covers look, you know, they have something in common. Um, but I would say like the content is different enough that you get two sides of Kelly when you read them both. Yeah, I think there's, I think what's in common is they're both really well written. Oh, great to read. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really, it's true. They're they're both really well written. And I've read, so I haven't done The Good Luck Girls of Shipburg Lane yet, but I did read The Matchmaker of Minnow Bay. (laughs) My little ugly redheaded stepchild of a book. It's so hard to find. It's it's out there. It's out there. People can find it. But um, you guys, I they told me don't set a book in the winter in Wisconsin, and I did it anyway. Okay, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> I think it's lovely. I liked it too. I did. Thank you. But, but this one that just that just launched out into the world and on the twelfth of May. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was dogs. So I'm going to bridge you and Mary. So you both live in Madison. I'm kind of feeling left out. And both of you have a dog named Scout. Yep. Mary has a dog named Scout. See, now this is the true, you've just ticked off some kind of nerd measure. That <laughs> I can't even, like there's a radar and it's just going off the chart with the dog named Scout. Because if you name your dog Scout, it is because you are a crazy fan of To Kill a Mockingbird. Absolutely. Yes, and sometimes is- people say, oh, you're a dog Scout. And they think he's a, she's a boy. And I always think, 
oh, they think there's another reason you would name your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> then you're pure obsession with a book you read when you were 12. So. <laughs> right. Now, my, my dog is a boy. Um, but <gasps> a I knew Scouts? a Boy Scout. Yes. Yeah, but they I don't care. They don't gender ever, identify. Yeah, they don't. But I knew ever since I was young, ever since I, I was like, you know, I, you know, I was just like, I need to have a dog. When I have my own dog, I'm going to name it Scout. I don't care what it is, you know? What? It, yeah. I mean, if it had been a parakeet, I would have named it Scout. <laughs> like, and, and if I'd gotten a girl baby, it's a, probably a decent chance yeah. I would have named her Scout, but I did not. So, and um, so the rest is history. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I'm a dog. I think I'm a dog admirer from afar because I lived in the city for so long. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I thought maybe a dog was just not in my future. And then along came this beautiful puppy. She's going to come sit by me at some point and just try to paw at the computer because yeah, yeah, that's That's how she helps me. Yeah. We're, we're a dog friendly podcast. (laughs) I have three. Mary has one. We're, we're, we're lucky if nobody barks, you know? (laughs) I mean, especially your podcast guests, but it's the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So in in bright side, there is a dog named Mike and he is a three legged rescue dog um, based partly on a dog I know named Jeffrey. So hi, Jeffrey, if you're listening. <laughs> and, um, and he's my favorite character in this book, hands down. I, I was going yes. to ask you, the, the relationship between his owner, Paige, and the dog is, no, 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 Mia. Mia. Mm-hmm. Mia, Mia. And, um, and the dog is just endearing. She, she kind of can come off as a character who's not all that endearing. But then you see her. No, she can be a real stinker. Yeah. Yeah. But not towards, but she loves Mike and she has, you know, that shows the soft spot of her. Well, you know, Mike just, just kind of grew out of me learning to love Mia because this happens all the time. I write strong characters, characters with like serious points of view that come from where they've come in their lives and what they've already done for growing. I don't pick people up who've never done a moment of thought about themselves or who they want to be. And Mia is calculating even at the beginning, I would say. She is, and we've all read the stories of influencers who have staged fake life events to get more followers. I mean, there are people who do all kinds of bananas things, adopt children, just crazy oh. stuff to get their numbers to go up. Yeah, so I can't Mia, even, yeah. Right. I mean, well, it's easier for me to sit here and say what I wouldn't do with my, like, very reasonable following. And, <laughs> but that said, like, I had to find my way into Mia and understand her. And I realized that she was just, the loneliness that she felt because of where she set herself away from the world mm-hmm. was so powerful that I couldn't stand to see her go through it. So I gave her a dog. <laughs> I'm, a wee- I'm a weenie. I couldn't take it. Yeah. You know, that's so very gave- interesting, you know, like the way you said that, because one of the things that I saw when I was reading this book, a lot of the weighty subjects that you tackled and you tackled it very well, I thought, mm-hmm. especially like depression, suicide, anxiety, and grief. And- right. And this book, if, if we, 
if I had it my way, there'd probably be like a little warning in the cover copy or something to say mm -hmm. that we do talk about suicidal ideation, but not successful suicide in the course of the story. But it's important to, to, to kind of let you know that you are going to have a good time and enjoy a read and be challenged. And that can all happen in one book. Right. And, um, and women do it all the time. And then we kind of get shelved in like these sections where you can find us, but doesn't mean that you're just going to get, you know, the, a, a rom-com straightforward every time. Um, and so in this case, yes, I got to talk about my experiences um, with depression and also with the, those who I love who have gone through suicidal ideation. And, um, and obviously if anyone's listening, who's had these experiences for themselves or others, they know how important pets can be during that time. Mm -hmm. They can be literal lifesavers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's important. Mary and I have talked a lot on our podcast and, and just as readers, you know, just because you want to put a book in your beach bag doesn't mean you have to check your brain in the car. You know, like you can have a great book and have a great story and think also. You don't have to, it's not one or the other. And you did a great job of melding a great story and some really thought-provoking topics. That's very kind. And I think there was a part of me that was like a little worried um, that maybe I didn't really have the right to tell that story because my readers wanted a certain kind of escapism from me, but I just was totally underestimating how smart, deep, rich a reading experience we're here for. And I'm so glad I went for it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad too. And yes, there has been pushback for sure. There's people who will say, well, this isn't Amy Byler too, Return of Amy Byler. Um, but Maybe that book will come later. We'll see. For now, this is the story I wanted to tell. And and it was told brilliantly. So oh. I, and I and I love. I mean, like you said, the the pet part. I formed an attachment with Mike. You know, and <laughs> I'm so, and I'm so. you know it, it. You know all the emotions that you have with a pet. You know, I felt those emotions and. Spoiler alert, I did cry when I was reading this. Aw. Yeah, I cried oh when I was writing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those listening, Diane just showed us her dogs that are at her feet right now. <laughs> they are um, sweet as can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great dogs. Um, one other thing that you talk about in this book is and, and you touched on this earlier, our relationship with social media um, and how our, our lives have really started to revolve around it. You know, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. I was going to say TikTok. Um, <laughs> For me, it is totally TikTok. I'm so bad at it. Um, but first of all, it's a lot to juggle. You know, it is for some people a full-time job. And it doesn't always feel like a choice because it's paying you. And sometimes you look at those things and say, you remind yourself, okay, that's not vital. It's, it's urgent, but not important. And you do all those smart mental mm -hmm. exercises, but, but ultimately our kids and the generation younger than me have grown up with this thing in their pockets and they've learned just as I have 
that if I send a text message and I don't hear back for 24 hours, I start to think the person has drowned. So, and those expectations are brand new to our culture. If I comment on somebody's um, Insta post with a question and they don't answer it, I might notice. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm leaving out there in the world when I social media interact a million tiny little threads that are always on my mind. They're on the recipient's mind. They can cause upset. They can cause pleasure. There's that mental feedback loop of, did I get a like? How does the like let endorphins out of my brain? So it's a slot machine and we put our attention in and the, we're often rewarded, but not every time. And then every now and then we sit back and go, where did all my quarters go? <laughs> What happens? Yeah, right. The house always wins. The <laughs> only way you're going to win in your relationship with your phone is to reckon with it. Just sit down and reckon with it. Mm -hmm. And I think the ante gets upped each time, right? So the expectation today is 100 likes, but tomorrow it should be 125. And mm -hmm. then in two days, it better be 200. You know, it's, it's this exponential game. And, and it's, it's absolutely exhausting. a tool. Yeah, it's a tool too. So it's not something you quit cold turkey. I mean, in my book, it was fun to fantasize about her throwing the book, the phone off the cliff. Don't throw the book off the cliff. No or, books. No. <laughs> I mean, look first so you don't hit anybody. But when she throws her phone off the cliff, she gets this freedom that I just love living through. At the same time, when I'm self-quarantined and our family's at home, am I so, so glad for our tech? Absolutely. Was it a life-changing tool this spring? Absolutely. And people who, you know, I'm not, I, I can't say enough about how it's important that everyone gets access to this tool, especially when we're talking about small businesses like bookstores, writers, sharing the word about media events like podcasts. Um, th those are the times where I look at the phone and say, gosh, how did we live without this? But then at night from nine to 11, when I'm scrolling through the media and feeling pressure and stress and sharing on other people's anxieties, but not, not able to do anything about it at that time of night, that's when I realize, okay, we've got to figure this out as a culture. Right. And I think you know, there's going to be so many outgrowths of, of our pandemic lives, right? And, mm -hmm. and one of the necessities was pulling inward and so the phone, the computer, whatever, Wi-Fi allowed us to still have those external connections that are so important. But I so we, I have five kids from 22 to 15. So they are in the hot box of total connectedness. Yes. Um, you are I'm, living the experiment right now. I, I am. And sometimes we are succeeding and sometimes we're failing, but we... I was surprised at how my 17-year-old and my 16-year-old had so many friends. I mean, they told me probably 10 or 12 names each of kids. They're just like, oh yeah, they're just off social media right now. It's just all too much. It just got to be too much. Um, and you know, different families quarantined differently. So there was a lot of FOMO happening because, well, so-and-so is at the beach with so-and-so. Well, our family is not going to the beach right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- they had so many friends who just decided of their own volition, not parents mandating to just say, I'm just going to check out. Like they checked it every other day or whatever, but they really 
went off their phones. And Why are our kids always so much smarter than us? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) They always are. Well, that sounds brilliant. And I think that they might have those skills that I personally was not raised with. Um, The know when to say when skills. You know, I'm very hopeful. I, I see my son because he you know, has some, some light tech and I see him just put it down and wander away and forget it's happening. So I know that those skills are available to us all. Right. But when you're fighting as an author for, for eyeballs between the end, endless scroll and that feeling that makes you wanty, it makes you feel like you're not enough. It makes you feel FOMO. And then how you feel when you're in a book, you're not missing out. You're in it you know, and how different those two experiences and emotions are, both sort of sedentary activities on your sofa, but with totally different results. Books bring people together in a way that social just can't do, even though we're not actually talking to each other while it's happening. There was the bark. I know, I'm gonna let Mary take for a minute because I'm gonna let these guys out. (laughs) So, but I think you're, you're right. You know, one of the things that has really grown in the last, you know, in the short time that we've had social media, one of the things that has really grown is the business around it. Mm -hmm. Um, How many times that you post algorithms, the analytics around it is, I mean, and you see that with Mia and you see how she played the game, you know, and how she knew the consequences of going dark. And then you have Paige, who knows the algorithms? Like she wrote, like, like she, she literally them. knows the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she knows. So when she takes over the, 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 the account. account she, without being asked to, by the way, yes. totally as a, uh, renegade poster. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. There, there was definitely an ethical. <laughs> huge, huge. I give all my characters crazy issues, don't I? I spread it around evenly. But yeah. But you know, when she took it over, it, she played the game seamlessly because she knew she she we, was. We know it in our bones now. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And she came from that same world. She works as a tech screener, so mm-hmm. this is a very real job. It can be. Ex- it can have extremely serious consequences for your mental health. But it is someone's job to go through any flagged posts and see what's offensive about them. Right. And it can be, you know, when I was doing this research, it was a rabbit hole and it was fascinating how it works from country to country and how it really defines us as a culture of what we think is screenable and not screenable. Um, And then right now in the moment that we're having, are we allowed to lie willy nilly on social media absolutely up until a point now we're right. seeing okay if you're in a position of power and you're just flat out lying all the time how are we going to not just as a society but how are these businesses going to cope with this i think it's really interesting mm-hmm. it's an I, interesting time <laughs> to be alive and it's and it's so relevant i mean that was the one thing that i kept on thinking with the book i'm like oh my gosh with everything that's happening right now it's just very relevant to all of our relationship with social media. Well, I look forward to the day when Jessica's storyline and Jessica is the character that really struggles with depression is Mm -hmm. less relevant because I think what my experience has been and what I've read and heard from the young adults that I talk to with my young adult writing workshops is that, um, 
even though they can't draw a straight line from one place to another, some combination of um, what might feel like low level bullying to the outside and the pressure to be social media perfect at all times has really taken a toll on mental health mm -hmm. for young people. So that was fun to, I'm not gonna say fun. I did say fun. That was fascinating to research and then also fun to find a way to incorporate the story while still building on the fun and the humor of mm -hmm. Paige and Mia's exploits. So that's what, I mean, that's how it unfolds. When you're writing it, you're just like, oh, where does this thread go? What happens here? And what is it like to work at Twitter and decide whether you're going to fact check something or not, or whether it's going right. to be offensive? Thank goodness you know, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great bridge though, also. So we know the dangers and there's huge mental health implications. Absolutely. I'm a therapist and you know, the, the, I'm so glad I didn't have to grow up with everything being posted and you know every Can you even imagine <laughs> oh i can't even thank goodness that i didn't but you know it was a bridge between jessica who was a lot the the half sister was a lot younger than Paige, and it was something that they could they have didn't have common. a lot of other things in common but they had yeah. that and they had fun kind of doing this you know taking over illegally <laughs> taking over mm -hmm. the other account <laughs> So it and can be a good thing. It can be. Right. And for all the downsides that we've talked about today, my mom lives in another state and she had a different set of, um, of pandemic rules to follow. And we were separated for a really long time. And we play a board game online together every day now. And we talk at the same time as we're playing. And my son gets his stories read by her through Zoom. So it, there are so many good things about it. I don't want to overshadow that if you are lonely, it is a fantastic way to connect. Absolutely. So, and I think okay. like everything else in life, right, it, it's still relatively new. And mm -hmm. we haven't all found our balance. It's out there. It's possible to find it. But we're going to have to work to finding the balance. It's, it's not all bad. It's not all good. Right. And in the meantime, you just have to make time for yourself to do your reading and have the good stuff in your life be front and center. The stuff that can't come through a screen is always going to be our first priority. And that's kind of how I'm raising my kid, I guess. You know, Hoping mine don't even, they would prefer every single one of them wants a real book, not even, they don't even want to read it on a screen. They all, wow. yes, yeah, I agree all, with that. They that's all want real books, and I love that, you know? You know what, now that you say that, that's our experience too. I never even thought about that, but I think that the books I buy for my e-reader and share with him just aren't going down because there's just something missing in that translation, and I don't know what it is, but thank God for e-readers during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a book problem, and I would, <laughs> I would have died because our libraries were you know, obviously closed for safety reasons. And then on top of that, you know, I've, I was getting like daily drop-offs from our local bookstore. <laughs> they like have my address memorized, which is a little alarming. They just drive to your house. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, Kelly, we're just bringing it over. You're going to want it anyway. <laughs> like, um, we just charge that. Yeah. A room of one's own. Card. Exactly. A room of and one's own. That was coming. A room of one's own is did, did to the door and then 
at the same time, I was also buying for mystery to me and oh. they are a great store too. Um, yes. but then what happened is I, I placed an order. I was going to go pick it up and then literally broke my finger the next day and could not drive. So not only was I sort of at home with no childcare under deadline, having my experience, having my little private drama, but then I broke my finger and I wrote the book with one hand. Oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> I know you guys are laughing and I'm laughing too, but like at the time, it was, it was major like, trauma. <laughs> I had the claw and I, I was like, you have to laugh because the claw like just types all the, the keys, all the letters. <laughs> so I used it just for the shift button to do caps. And then the other hand, like, so I just go, <laughs> I wish that your view, your listeners could see me like clawing at my computer. <laughs> and then every day for like a half an hour, I'd, I'd like take off my cast and type away like a lunatic. And then I'd put it back on when, so that no one would see me. <laughs> anyway, if you're wondering why I have a misshapen finger for the rest of my life, it is because I could not keep the cast on for the three weeks necessary. To get oh, Lord. Now, Kelly, oh, some, wow. some authors want their new books to be top secret. Are you a, or do you want to tell us any sneaks about your new book, even when it's coming out? Do you know when? Do you have a estimated it's, date? It'll come out next spring, um, right around the same time. So you guys need to read slowly because... I only, I mean, I can only do so much so fast. Um, well, and don't forget, my there's, two, there's two backlists, even before Amy Byler. So there's the matchmaker right, so of Minnow Bay and the Good Luck Girls of Shipwreck Lane. Thank you for saying the titles. And then even if you run out of those, I did a book that's about half length for Audible Originals called oh. You Can Thank Me Later. So go find that. Oh. Then you're really out of it. And then you have to wait till next spring. And that one is going to, I don't have a title for it yet. Titling is my arch nemesis. But when I do get there, um, I, will, I will be happy to share it. But I will say that my editor keeps sending me recordings of herself laughing out loud while she's reading it. <laughs> so I, I got to be more silly and more fun on this one than I've been able okay. to. So this one's pure... Um, at saltwater taffy I'd say Yay. <laughs> so I think it'll be great fun and maybe even just a, kind of a like a way to bring summer on next year and I do take on the Pinterest moms in this one so you know the, the moms who make those perfect fruit sushi rolls and then they cut them up and then they make them look like panda bears and they send their kid to school with that and my son is like what I've got my lunchable. Is, yes, exactly. <laughs> Mom, did you you didn't even buy me a lunchable? You just cut a piece of ham into squares. And I'm like, yes, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> so um oh that's you it. ham. <laughs> oh that's funny. Okay. I'm 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 definitely gonna pick that up when it comes out. I think that'd be a good one. I hope so. I hope so. But since the editing isn't done yet, I can't even like safely say what the characters' names are because I changed so much in the process. Yeah. So stay tuned. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, Diane, are we ready for some rapid fire questions? I, I think we are. Okay. okay. Now, this is no stress, Callie. They're, they're yep. not hard. Just <laughs> first thing that, that, that pops into your head. What is your favorite word? 
weird. I use it so much that I have to do a find and replace. <laughs> I love that. Great. Who is your favorite fictional hero or heroine? Shall we even? Meet? I mean, obviously Scout is right up there. And then we have Lizzie Bennett. Oh, so yeah. some combination of those two people would be my best friend, my kindred spirit. That sounds perfect. What are you reading now? Can you tell us what, what book you're reading now? I am, oh my goodness, I'm reading so many good things right now. I am really excited because I'm getting a sneak peek at Sonia York's new book for, that will be next early spring, maybe even sooner, I'm not sure. Um, she's the author of True Places, which is just a fantastic, oh my gosh, so good. And she's also written a lot of other books that I love. And this one is, is children. But it's, it's an adult book, but the children's point of views are so compelling. So I'm excited for you guys to read it. Uh, it's currently titled, I believe, The Family Ship. And so okay. stay tuned. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay. It is so good. So when, that, when more happens about that, I'll share it on my social. Perfect. And now, not when you're writing, but when you're reading, are you a completist or a DNFer? I'm a DNFer. I that comes from working in publishing. When you read a hundred partial manuscripts a week, you cannot finish just out of curiosity's sake. In fact, I would say that's why I have problems with the writing. When I stumble most, it is in that soggy middle that most people kind of lose their way. Mm -hmm. And I too struggle during that point, but I can't refer to the thousands of books whose beginnings I've read without ever having time to finish them. So it's, Finish your books, guys, if you want to be a writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Okay. What is the best, this is the final question. What is the best money you've ever spent on your career as a writer? Oh my God. I'm just, the reason I'm pausing is because so many things, so many things came available to me after Amy Byler started taking off. And so one of those, like just straight up is a little help for around the house. So I would say whatever your job is, housekeeper is the, my favorite thing to spend money on. <laughs> yeah. I never resent a dollar of it. I just feel so good. And it just, for me, it just feels like that's the marker of having everything you could want in the world is having a clean home. <laughs> so there you go. There you have it. And there's so many things that no one else can do for us, right? There's so many things that we have to do. Or I even enjoy sometimes, you know, I, a lot of people have said, spend your money on childcare, but I feel right now at this moment, childhood is so short for us. It's going so fast. So I keep thinking, oh, I'm just going to kick that can around the road a little bit further, but oh my gosh, if someone comes over and washes my stove, you know, underneath the burners. Oh yeah, oh, the burner, under the burners. Oh, yeah. that's like the best. It's, it's better than any massage you could ever get. It feels so good. <laughs> yes. Well, Kelly Harms, thank you so much. This was a great conversation and Mary and I have both adored your books and we cannot wait for book number five coming. Have me back because this is so oh, much yeah. fun.
This is so much fun. I'm gonna, you guys, I'm gonna call you first and send you the galleys right away. So oh, we'll be so excited. Yes. You can deliver it to Mary and you can mail mine. Okay. Okay, and then the scouts could meet. Oh my gosh, and the universes would collide. Oh. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would, that, would, that would be nuts. My dog is nuts, but it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we will make sure and make a, a audio recording of that. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Perfect. Thank well, you, thank ladies. you so much, Mary. Thank you so much, Kelly. And happy reading, everyone. Happy reading. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist. Produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time. Thank you.